0: I give you the story of American Radical that's highlighted, a deep cover counterterrorism operation that took place over the course of three and a half years. And while telling you that, I give you examples of how to prepare and how it was I was able to connect with someone who was trying to commit mass murder on a human level. And if I can connect with someone that evil, then we all can connect with each other to better our personal and professional lives. Expanding the
1: possibilities The Mindset Zone. I'm your host, Anna Malikian, and before we start with today's show, please remember to visit Mindset.Zone. Yes, instead of .com, it's .zone. There you can find all the episodes and other amazing resources, all at Mindset.Zone. Today, our special guest is Tamar El Nouri. And this is not his real name because of his work as a Muslim American undercover FBI agent. It's still safer for him to remain anonymous. Our focus here is not going to be on How we infiltrate and brought down a terror cell in North America that you can read in his book, American Radical. Here, we are going to focus our conversation on how those experiences and years of leadership positions in many different agencies position him as one of the best to teach human connection to corporations and other organizations. Welcome to the Mindset Zone, Tamer.
0: Thank you so much, Anna, for having me.
1: And uh, when I had the pleasure to meet you in person, uh, it was really fascinating to listen to your experience and afterwards reading your book and all the experience that the, what you had to learn to be a good undercover agent first as, as a narcotic agent and then as the FBI and how that in the process is so essential to learn about humans in general and human connection in particular. So uh, tell us a little bit uh, uh, how uh, learning about human connection is so important uh, when you were in those roles.
0: Yes, um, that's One of the best parts of my job was the psychological part of it. Obviously, you know, doing long term undercover work well requires real human connection. You can't fake it because I'm not an actor. Yeah. Now, obviously, I never had any intention of selling poison when I worked undercover narcotics or committing mass murder when I worked terrorism. Agenda and politics aside, the human connection part had to be real. You had to find a way to connect with their humanity and not what they were doing or trying to do. Otherwise, it would never work. And that's the part that I fell In love with was getting into the minds of my subjects and finding a way to connect with them on a human level.
1: And uh, by what uh, I read in the book, uh, there is a really even, how do you say, you, you study uh, the person that you were trying to connect with, uh, and then it's what you call a bump. You bump with them in a day to day situation, and uh, you have to create the, the context, you have to create a situation that. Ideally is the other person initiating almost the conversation and the relationship?:
0: That's exactly right. Sometimes obviously in an emergency uh, emergency situation, I don't have the luxury of time in getting in front of my subjects. However, in an ideal situation, I have time to prepare for these bumps as we call them, which are initial meetings that appear happenstance. But in reality, they were very, very well orchestrated and planned so that I can insert myself into my subject's lives.
1: And uh, tell us a little bit about how, because I see a parallel that uh, when you, if you are working with an organization that they have customers, there is also uh, a work that the organization, the company has to do about knowing that customers enough and their humanity to be able to be relevant to them. Is that part of the things that you can help an organization with?
0: Absolutely. And that's that's exactly what I hope to do in speaking to corporations, is helping them to connect with their consumers, whether they sell a service or a product. Um, you can always find ways to connect with your consumers better. And I think the blueprint for Making Human Connections starts from all of my years of experience. And my keynote speech that I give, it's called Making Radical Connections, is exactly that. It's essentially, I give you the story of American Radical that's highlighted, a deep cover counterterrorism operation that took place over the course of three and a half years. And while telling you that, I give you examples of how to prepare and how it was I was able to connect with someone who was trying to commit mass murder on a human level. And if I can connect with someone that evil, then we all can connect with each other to better our personal and professional lives.
1: Yeah. And I see that relevant for companies, uh, for their customers, of course, and also within the corporation itself, how can they learn how to communicate better and connect, find a common ground, something, that connection in their humanity that allows them to have better work relationships.
0: Exactly right. I think it's crucial that we all connect with each other, whether we work together, your co-workers, your supervisors, your subordinates, your friends or your customers and your consumers. The better we understand each other, the better we all are in moving forward in our lives.
1: And because I think one of the fascinating uh, things about you, okay, you had this career as undercover uh, in in the narcotic world and then in the um, Al-Qaeda world. And then you have many years of experience in working in leadership positions, training other people and within several Uh, government agencies correct
0: that's exactly right yes uh executive level i'm currently in an executive level management position in law enforcement as well
1: Mm -hmm. and uh, i'm curious yes you develop your muscles and you learn how to connect with people on the street on the bumps and then when you were back in the office in a more uh, as the trainer or the supervisor or director or in another position uh Did it took you some time to adapt your skills to that, to being a leader of your own teams?
0: You know what? Actually, it's funny because no one's ever asked me that. But the truth is, um, I felt like I adapted even quicker because of that skill set. This skill set. Now, when I first started doing undercover work in narcotics, in my mind, I felt like I was a very empathetic person and that I'm very capable of seeing the world through someone else's eyes. It wasn't until I actually started working that I realized how bad I was at actually truly connecting with someone on a human level. All I thought about, I had tunnel vision when I first d- started doing undercover drug work. All I did was think about getting the drugs in my hand and making sure the target never knew that I was a police officer. I never looked at things or prepared the right way. It wasn't until I did dove headfirst into the drug world and studied drug dealers and the, the, every, the drug trade through the eyes of dealers and sellers that I actually uh, was able to shed all my preconceived notions and biases of this world and see it from a whole new perspective, from their perspective. That's when my undercover career took off. Taking that into my new role, okay, as executive management, I don't guide and direct like a dictator. I listen, my job and I teach all my supervisors below me, your job is to clear obstacles from your subordinates path so that they can be successful. And the only way you can do that is by understanding and putting yourself in their shoes, what they're trying to accomplish and what they're trying to do and you help them get there. It's a completely different mindset and no matter how much you think you know it, you don't until you actually get into the practice day in and day out of seeing the world through someone else's eyes
1: and is what you're speaking the tunnel vision sometimes people are so focused in a certain mission or in a certain thing uh, achieving x results that they are not allowing themselves to see the full picture and the complexity of the, the, the 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 situation i remember that In the book, you speak about the informants, the, the role that they play in the drug world, and how you have to keep a good relationship with them. And that is part of the complexity of all that world. And in corporations, there is a, or in any organization of a certain size, there is a big degree of complexity too.
0: Absolutely. Um, No one's job is easy and no one's as uh, straightforward as we may seem to think it is. And sometimes as you climb the ladder of success, you forget what it means to actually be a grunt on the ground and doing the job day in and day out. So it's imperative when you're given direction to understand the complexities of what your subordinates have to deal with day in and day out.
1: Yeah. And so all that experience and the, the, mis- or, uh, the pains of learning that you had to learn to be a good undercover agent then help you to be a good leader when you had that opportunity.
0: Yes, I was very fortunate um, when I ran a narcotic strike force um, to be able to guide my undercovers, my SWAT team and my day-to-day uh, ground detectives because I could see the world the way they see it. And I knew the questions they were going to ask before they asked it. And I think that's the, one of the greatest traits of a leader isn't one that just uh, expects everyone to follow him or her. It's an individual, okay, that can understand what her, his, his or her people are trying to accomplish and put them in a position to succeed. That's what makes a good leader.
1: And you were in an unusual position. There is this famous um, uh, leadership coach called Marshall Goldsmith that has uh, one book. Uh, one of his more famous books is "What Got You Here: Won't Get You There." That shows when people move from the doing positions to the leader positions, there is a new set of skills they have to learn to be good leaders. And because of your you were' like an exception because of your previous training you could transition that learning to becoming a good leader.
0: Absolutely. I, I, I wholeheartedly believe that um, my leadership skills 100% stemmed from my work, my many years as an undercover operative. Um, and I believe that that all translates to every aspect of all of our lives. People have this uh, notion that undercover work is dirty, and, and it can be. But the truth of the matter is, it's all about connecting with human beings on a human level. Sure, I'm trying to stop them from committing mass murder. Yes, that's sort of hard to ignore. But at the end of the day, when I meet a new subject, I don't care what's in the classified documents. I don't care about what he or she has done before. What I want to know is... What do they do when they're not doing these bad things? So I can connect with them on a human level, so that I can develop a relationship with them, and then, oh, by the way, let's stop them from hurting. Yeah.
1: And another dimension. Let allow me to uh, to change gears because another dimension of the undercover work that I'm interested to see how that translated when you became a leader is uh, because when you are doing undercover, you have to be there many hours, and then. You cannot uh, go home and sleep. You have to do the report back. So, there is, you don't have a, a lot of sleep time. So, you must, uh, when you are doing undercover, sleep deprivation must have been a, a big, big thing that you had to face.
0: Oh, absolutely. I remember during our training, sleep deprivation took center stage. Um, that was a big part of our training. And I remember thinking it was more of a hazing type situation until I got out in the real world and traveled for days, weeks, sometimes months with my targets. And I would have to spend all day and night with them, remembering the conversations and what we've done, what we discussed. And just when they're finally going to bed and they think I'm going to bed, I'm actually going to a safe house to meet with my team to debrief for hours and then maybe catch an hour or two sleep and then do it all over again the next day so you had to you had to learn to function with very little sleep.
1: And how do you learn to, because when we are sleep deprived emotionally, it's much more difficult to handle our emotional emotions. How do you learn to self-regulate and to take care of yourself, to not driving yourself crazy and not uh, <laughs> say something that uh, will uncover, get you into a big trouble?
0: That's yeah, a very good question, Anna. And that's honestly one of the hardest things of long-term undercover work. In the drug world, when I would do jobs. Jobs, it would very rarely be that long. It was meet and greets. Sometimes you'd sit and spend time with them, but it would never ever stretch into the uh, long term ops that my uh, deep cover counterterrorism jobs did. And that was the biggest thing. It's you 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 hit the nail on the head. You had to self regulate. Your training prepares you to be able to function with minimal sleep, and then you had to take it to that next level and had to find a way to make it work.
1: Because I, I know that is a different dimension, but in organizations and leaders of organizations, sometimes can be very stressful. Sometimes there are so many important things that they have to pay attention. They, they, they don't have time to take care of themselves as much as they should. And the sleep and all the team working with them in some, if there is a big launch, if there is a big opportunity, it's all hands on deck And sometimes there are loads of uh, problems uh, for them and in the teamwork because people are so uh, stressed that they don't know how to self-regulate their emotions.
0: That's exactly right. And it is a huge part of it. No matter what job you're doing, um, taking care of yourself is going to result in a better product, a better work product. I find time to sleep. I find time when I know. I'm on target for weeks at a time, and I'm getting tired. I build in something covertly that I have a meeting and I have to get to, and I will force myself to get some sleep so that I can remain functional.
1: Yeah, knowing your limits, knowing how much you can push, and uh, uh, and uh, that helps you to be in the top of your game. Absolutely, that's correct. Uh, And I think this is a lesson that all of us, I I think, can learn. And because I, I find the working with corporation executives and leaders. Uh, sometimes we expect them, uh, I like to compare it to sports like uh, American football. Football, they have the quarterback. Uh, we expect they arrive to the Sunday play and they do their their best game. Uh, but we know that they were training during the week and then it's playtime, it's playtime. But sometimes for leaders and executives, we expect them to be in their A game without any training, any gym time, any prep time. And you add that kind of prep time in your training as an FBI agent and all of that. But many leaders is like they are just put it in the field and you have to do it.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. They don't um, they don't really consider all the hard work that leads up to the actual performance. Couldn't agree more.
1: And that is part of your training because of your own experience, uh, um, what you had to learn, the training that you had to go through, uh, and the uh, training other people to become good undercover agents. And uh, that helps you to see the complexity and maybe even help organizations create a better structure for their people.
0: Absolutely. And that's part of my consulting as well that I'm uh, looking forward to. Uh, being more involved in. Because again, uh, I find that a vast majority of the successes all come from understanding and what you're describing here, people's limitations. Sometimes the worker may not know his or her limitations. And the onus is on the supervisors to help them understand that and to make sure they give them a path for success.
1: Yeah, creating the conditions for the success. Yep. And one of the ways you spoke already about your keynote, you have making radical connection. And um, who is the ideal audience for this presentation?
0: You know, so far I've done it in front of law enforcement and the intelligence community, uh, but. If I had to be honest, I'd tell you right now that the ideal audience for this presentation is everyone, mm-hmm. anyone and everyone, because I can't think of a job or a career or a um, skill set in life that doesn't require human connections. Absolutely. And and I wholeheartedly believe that through entertainment, by entertainment, I mean telling you the story, uh, the operation that I uncovered in, in American Radical, understanding the lesson points and the highlighting the importance of human connection at this highest level of counterterrorism work can easily translate to everyone in every job skill set throughout their lives. So not just for their professional lives and connecting with consumers, but also in your home life. I spent the better part of my two decades working covertly. And in those two decades, I got really good, Anna, without tooting my own horn, at connecting with some of the worst people on the planet. Where I lacked was when I came home, okay? I would spend sometimes weeks or months preparing for a bump. And when I came home, I forgot to prepare to be my actual self yeah. with my family. And to me, the speech highlights the importance of not only doing it in your professional life, but in your personal life as well. Of
1: course, because the the taking care of yourself and allow the go back and that almost. And now the image that came to me was uh, the scuba diving with uh, when you go really deep in the ocean and then you have to decompress slowly to come to the surface. Otherwise, you get the oxygen bubbles that are very dangerous. You are not doing that. To go back to your reality.
0: You're exactly right. That's a wonderful analogy.
1: And, and I also think this is extremely relevant for the new generations because uh, they are so, they are very, they are nowadays, uh, they are from very young, they will have an electronic, uh, an iPad or a smartphone on their hands and they are really savvy using that tools, but they are losing a little bit the human connection of meeting a stranger. Uh, just uh, the natural bumping with a person in the street and uh, in, engaging in a conversation. So w- you also can teach this new generation how to behave in a more natural setting.
0: Oh, absolutely. With the advent of social media and these last two decades, if you think about it, the way technology has taken over, it has actually been glorious in the sense that it has made our world a much smaller place. Ironically, it has connected us even more so than we've ever been connected before. The downside to it is it has connected us digitally, but it has also made us lose that human touch. And unfortunately, what I'm noticing in the younger generations, the new generations, is They don't have conversations with each other the way we used to, you know, in my younger days when we didn't have cell phones or social media. So there has to be a happy middle. And sometimes it's okay when you're on an airplane to put everything away and strike up a conversation with another person and just work on that great lost art. Of conversation when you're actively listening to the person that you're discussing or having a conversation with while you tell them a little bit about yourself. That's something that you think is a skill set that we all had as, as youngsters now seems to be lost on people.
1: Yeah. And um, even if we are in a restaurant and the waiter comes, we can ask the person's name We can uh, know a little bit about them and uh, just be more human. They are not just a robot that is doing their job. They are a human being that have a life after work too.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I think it's it's imperative for you to go out of your way to have these day-to-day conversations because you'd be surprised how much you're missing. By not actually being able to have a conversation with someone.
1: Yeah. And going back to the youth, I think one of the, and I have a teenage daughter, she's 13. And she's doing now volleyball, and it's one of the beautiful things of a sport uh, team game. Is that they have to learn to communicate in many different ways, <laughs> including the no verbal way and verbal way. Uh, that the the sports in for young generation, I think, is even more important now than ever, exactly because it's something that is without electronics that they have to learn how to communicate in a group.
0: Absolutely, uh, I think sports in and, and any events like that and any activities that force you to actually be able to connect with people in another way rather than texting or liking something.
1: Yeah, and uh, I really, um, we have people of all... uh Different types of people listening to the mindset zone. But if somebody has connections, in, because even the work that you do, I think is so valid, even for a global organization, because you due to your experience and work that you did, you have that global view and the complexity of the different players and different things. So you can understand the challenge that the CEO in organization have that they are a lot of pieces moving at the same time that they have to keep an eye on
0: absolutely without a doubt i've been fortunate enough to work all kinds of cases all over the world and i'd like to think (laughs) that i've pretty much seen just about every movie regarding when problems do arise. Um, And and the truth is, it's how you deal with them. Every single issue is understood. And even in the case that uh, I highlight in American Radical, you have two allies, the United States and Canada, both have very similar goals, but quickly we realized that we Each ended up having separate goals as well. And the complexities of being able to work a cross-border law enforcement and intelligence operation hand-in-hand to meet everyone's goals and expectations was extremely difficult. And I think that's what corporations, especially global corporations, are dealing with now because what they're trying to sell and uh, provide a service for in the United States may be something completely different that they want or need in Europe. And that's what it comes down to.
1: So where people can learn more about you
0: as far as Uh, if they uh, want
1: to get you as a keynote speaker, if they want to uh, uh, have a conversation uh, for you to become their consultant.
0: Yes. uh, Well, I will have my website up. We are in the process of building my website now. If all goes well, within the next six weeks, my website will be live and that will be uh, AmericanRadical.com. And I'm hoping by at the latest, mid-July, that will be live and that will give you anything and everything you want to know and learn about me, my services, what I provide, and my contact information will be on there.
1: And I will make sure that all of that shows in the show notes and probably I will make the publication of this episode to go out around the, the, that same time. And I also will put in the show notes the link to the 60 minutes inter- segment that you have when you published the American Radical the book.
0: Wonderful. Thank you, Anna. Thank you very much. Truly a
1: pleasure to have you here.
0: Oh, it was my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Expanding possibilities. The mindset zone. Thank you for listening and remember to visit mindset.zone. Yes, instead of .com it's .zone. There you can find all the episodes and other amazing resources all at mindset.zone. As always, I'm so grateful you are here. Expand what's possible for you, for the ones around you, for the world.